Welcome to the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Jariah, with my co-host, Nick Braccia. We're here to talk about UFC on ESPN 6 from last week, where Dominic Reyes had a first-round knockout over the former middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. We're going to talk about this weekend's UFC Fight Night, in which Ben Askren goes up against Damian Maya in a grappler's delight. Nick, how was your week, buddy? Uh, it's okay, man. Dealing with a little, little bit of a cold, but otherwise... Uh... Fine. Looking forward to this early Saturday morning card. 8 a.m. Main, was... main card starts at 8 a.m. Oh, that's great. I can appreciate that, getting that out of the way and actually having a Saturday night. I think my yeah. wife would be very appreciative of, of us uh, not having to watch a UFC one night. Yeah, omelets and uh, ogoplatas. Omelets and <laughs> ogoplatas, that's funny. Um, you're expecting gogoplatas in this event? Are you officially making that call, Nick? No. I, I don't think we're going to see one. <laughs> in, in case folks out there don't know what a go-go plot is, it's kind of a, a very rarely seen jujitsu submission in which you on your back with your opponent in your guard, you can use your shin to choke your opponent out. It's kind of cool. but it's, you, like a reverse, we, it's like a reverse butterfly choke. I'm sorry. Rever- yeah. I'm not, I, don't know I mean, I'm sorry. Rever- I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I meant a reverse triangle choke. I don't know what I told oh, you. I'm, yeah, on, I'm, on, I'm, on cold, I'm on cold medicine. But if you want to see a great one, uh, I think Shinya Aoki uh, did one maybe, I don't know, five years ago that was really cool. Yeah, I think I think there have only been a couple in high-level MMA. I think there was one in the UFC, although I can't quite recall. Uh, in any case, Google Plata's and Omelets during this weekend's UFC on ESPN Plus 20. Nick, last week's card turned out to be pretty damn exciting with some serious finishes and some exciting fights outside of that, even the ones that did go did to I, decision. Did I win? Wait, did I win, Stan? So it, it was kind of a weird night, right? If that no, no, wait, wait, no. This is kind. It's kind of a yes or no. It's kind of a yes or no question. Oh yeah, that, no, I'm not giving you a yes or no, and not not this week anyway. Although I'm happy to any other week. So you do uh, win by the rules that we decided on. You and I decided that no contests and draws would count as half a point, as opposed to being the same as a loss or as a fellow asthmatic. Between fellow, my fellow sufferer of sports induced asthma, Greg Hardy. <laughs> um. I'm su- it was like he might as well ask for a juice box. That was. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will. So, so the way it worked out is you pick, picked up the win. I had wins with Molly McCann, Dominic Reyes, and Sean Brady. Uh, Bermudez, Win, and Salmon all failed me. Although Darren Wynn lost a very close decision. Uh, and then you had wins with Yara Rodriguez, Macy Barber, and I think it's uh, Woodson, uh, that, that very tall gentleman yes. that fought uh, Kyle Bochniak. And those three were wins for you. The Greg Hardy win was overturned to a no contest. We're going to talk about why later. We're going to count that as half a point, which makes it three and a half you to three points for me. So uh, you won last week's event, and we are now a point and a half apart since I believe I was two points up uh, over you from last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, finally. It feels good to it feels good to be a winner. Congrats, my friend. Congrats. Even though it took for your fighter to cheat and use an inhaler, congrats, Nick. I gave it to him. It's fine. <laughs> you, you, you were the was, one who passed it to him? Were you the commission yeah. guy that gave him permission? No, Gre- Nick, did you see yeah, footage Greg of Hardy, this? Greg Hardy and I have so much in common. You got Yeah, between the asthma, the fact that you're two of the highest level athletes I've ever heard of, um, let me ask you a question, Nick. Any domestic abuse history with you? Have you ever been beaten? I assume you weren't doing the beating. No, no, that's no. not my. That makes, I'm more. I'm more about. I'm more about psych, like psychological gaslighting, that sort of thing. 
Oh man, you would be, Nick. That that would explain quite a bit, actually. Um, so yeah, a, a solid goddamn right left hand landed by Dominic Reyes in the main event to knock out Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman came in for that takedown, worked on it a bit, and took him down for maybe a second before his Dominic first, Reyes. His back first up takedown looked great. He looked super. He looked super quick. Um, he kind of turned the corner on the takedown, if I recall, and I was like, "All right, he looks in shape and fast." And then he got he got wizard uh, Dominic Reyes wizard back up, right? And it reminded me of when uh, Brock took down Kane, and Kane popped right back up, and then Brock was yeah. like, "Oh shit!" And then Wyman was like, "Oh shit!" And that he got he overcommitted on that shot. His chin was way out in front. When I say yeah, the really shot, does. I mean the I mean the punch that he threw. I believe he threw a right hand, um, yeah. and his he just his whole upper body followed the hand, and he left his jaw out there. And Ray is just boom. Yeah, and he looked right. he looked like he had his wits about him. Okay, when he was in guard, but you know he couldn't do anything to stop a couple of giant hammer fists. Yeah, those follow up shots definitely ended the night for him. It seemed to me like you and I spoke about the fact that some of these middleweights are moving up in weight and they're and they're doing well at light heavyweights. Some of these lightweights are moving up to 170 and doing well there. Here's what the exceptions are so far that I can think of. Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, and uh, James Vick. These are three guys who moved up in weight who were fairly skilled and fairly high level and respected at the lower weight division. They moved up on weight and then they lost their debuts by horrific knockout. I think the major difference really is if the reason that you're moving up in weight is because you keep getting knocked out, that's a bad idea. You don't want to get hit by a 205-pounder, especially a top-level 205-pounder, like both Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold went in there against. You don't want to go in there against that kind of guy who hits way harder than any of your prior opponents potentially uh, for your light heavyweight debut, especially after having issues with your chin, having issues with getting getting knocked out in the lower weight division. It was the same thing with James Vick. He went in there against a fairly big welterweight for his welterweight debut debut after suffering a couple of knockouts at lightweight. And naturally that bigger man who hits incredibly hard and gets a lot of knockouts knocked him the fuck out in the first round. Uh, it seems like that's really the the thing. Uh, when Donald Cerrone moved up, it was because he fought for the lightweight title, took a body shot, went down. It wasn't because his chin failed him. And that's why he was able to have success for a while there at 170. It's the same thing with the two uh, middleweights that moved up to face John Jones recently. And Anthony, John- Anthony Johnson, is it? Anthony Smith, excuse me, and uh, Tiago Santos. Those guys didn't move up because they had bad chins. They moved up because well, they lot, wanted to try something new. Yeah. Well, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, Henry Henry Cejudo, um, Kelvin Gastelum, uh, Joanna Giojankic, um, Jessica Andrade. There's, you know. Oh, wait, no. Andrade moved down. Sorry. Um the, yeah, there have been pl- there have been plenty of uh, of people who who have moved up and had um, Anthony Pettis recently. Plenty of people who moved up and had success, but not after getting knocked out multiple times. That's that that seems to be the big difference here. Chris Wyman is yeah. another example of it now. And listen, Dominic Reyes, say what you will. John Jones uh, having a whole spiel about how it doesn't make sense for him to fight Dominic Reyes. He now has wins over Chris Weidman, Volkan Ozdemir, Ovin St. Preux, 
and Jared Cannonier in a row. And all of those guys are not only – Yeah, I think that's a they're, – They're either big names or coming off of some pretty serious wins. Jared Cannonier now becoming a contender at 85. St. Peru coming off a big win uh, over an under otherwise guy that was undefeated in the UFC and Mikhail Ilyanchek. So, yeah – He's got quite a resume. I think he's got a better resume than any of John Jones' recent opponents. And so I think John Jones needs to nut up and defend his light heavyweight title. He doesn't want to come up and fight Stipe or Francis Ngannou. He's calling out Tony Ferguson now. How about you fight somebody your size instead of a middleweight or Israel Adesanya, another middleweight, or Tony Ferguson, or or, or just just fight somebody your size or bigger, man. That's my John I Jones think, feel for the I day. think John Jones loses to Dominic... I would pick Dominic Reyes or Francis Ngannou over John Jones right now. I'm pretty, yeah, I I'm think pretty you, sure I, I th- would. I think you and I are the only two people in the MMA space that are saying this because everyone seems to feel like Dominic Reyes is just not ready. I think Dominic Reyes is as, about as ready as he's going to be. I think he's taken the right tests. The open St. Prue win may have been a decision, but it should have been a knockout. He basically knocked him out in the last couple seconds of that third round. Open St. Prue was on his back semi-conscious as Dominic Reyes walked away and that third round bell rang. Uh, a lot of people thought that fight was stopped, so that should have been a knockout. The Volkan Ozdemir fight, a lot of people still think that Volkan Ozdemir deserved the win. Uh, you and I agree that he did not. If you really watch that fight carefully, Volkan Ozdemir clearly was beaten, and Volkan is in the best point of his career right now, and he was only able well, to... He also punches fight. a lot harder than John Jones. Yeah, you're right about that. No doubt about it. Reyes is he's more. Sure. I mean, he's a he's a he's a more like Volkan Ozdemir is a more he's a more dangerous guy. What he has to worry about with John Jones is ending up getting getting mounted. And we haven't, you know, we did see him get taken down and pop up against Weidman. Um, it's going to be hard because there isn't there isn't really, you know, there isn't a Phil Davis or a Ryan Bader. Um, around there isn't a big, strong, natural light heavyweight um, who's a born, you know, who's kind of a born wrestler, right? Like um, for him to, you know, for him to take on, um, and not, a, and not like especially Jones's kind of wrestler who, well, I guess we would describe him as, as kind of like Greco, right? He does a lot of body locks and trips um, versus like John Jones. Yeah. Is shooting, du- he's not shooting doubles like GSP. Um, so we need to know if it can Reyes defend that. Is he, is he strong enough, quick enough? Will his footwork allow him to, um, to, to land shots and, and pivot out of the way? Um, so that he doesn't end up in the clinch where, where Jones can potentially trip him or will Jones not be strong enough? I know that I, I would know that I'm willing to pay, you know, pay the $60 to find out. I will say this though. John Jones has a total of four takedowns in his last four fights. He's not the takedown machine that he used to be. He has nine takedowns in the three fights before that, Nick. And that I think includes... that's because he's playing around, though. I, I don't think he's playing around when he's going to split decision against Tiago Santos. I'm sure that's a storyline that benefits him and that he would like to be out there. But his fight with Ovince Peru was fairly ho-hum, and it wasn't a blowout. It was it was a fairly low-paced decision, and I don't think he wanted it to be that way. I think he wants to dominate people if he has a choice. Anthony Smith was another ho-hum decision. And Anthony Smith wasn't doing anything. And John Jones still kept extremely safe and refused to really push the pedal. And it's the same thing against Tiago Santos, except the Tiago Santos fight could have gone to Tiago Santos. It was extremely close. You told me John Jones is fighting this way intentionally? 
I don't buy it, dude. Why would he risk everything? He could have lost that fight to Tiago Santos if one more judge thought that Tiago deserved it. Yeah, then that's just the narrative he He's wants to spin. He's also probably fortunate that he... That's just the narrative he wants to spin. Yeah, exactly. That's the narrative that benefits him. Um, I really do think that John Jones is a fraction of the fighter he used to be. I think part of that is because he's probably not using the drugs that maybe allowed him to express more of his artistry back when he was dominating the division. I also think he's older. He's got a lot more miles on him mentally and physically, mentally from some of the stuff that's gone on outside of the octagon that we know about and some of the many, much of the stuff that we don't know about. And physically from all of his, uh, all of his training camps, all of his five round fights, he's gone to decision in the majority of his, uh, of the fights in his career. And, Almost all of his fights are five-rounders, so the guy's got a lot of miles on him. For a guy that's in his early 30s, I would not at all be surprised uh, in agreeing with you, in agreement with you here if Dominic Reyes does his thing against John Jones. I think it should be a very closely uh, uh, odds-wise fight. I think Jones maybe at max should be a minus, minus 150, minus 160 favorite. I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be the Weidman-Anderson Silva fight uh, uh, all over again. But um, okay, speaking of Weidman, let's uh, so let, yeah, let's talk real real quick. Let's burn through this card. Like, yeah, I'm ready to see him retire. I don't. He says he wants to fight again. He says he's okay. I, I, I that bumps me out. I think. Uh, I, I mean, maybe be, maybe Bellator or something. I've got no. I was a huge fan of the guy. Uh, politics aside. And I'm always fans of the Long Island guys that come out of that camp. Um, but I have zero interest in watching Chris Weidman uh, perform again. Yeah, I'm there with you. Unfortunately, he's going to perform again. He's not leaving any doubts about it. And I'm just hoping he's going to fight a couple of grapplers after this. Maybe take a year off and then fight a grappler or two. Maybe fight Anderson Silva again. They're unfortunately at similar points in their career, even though Anderson Silva's descent has been much slower than Chris Weidman's thus far. Uh, so maybe an Anderson Silva fight, excuse me, if he's going to fight a hitter, it can only be somebody like Anderson Silva. Uh, outside of that, Chris Weidman has been hurt in probably his last six or seven fights, and he's been TKO'd in four or five of them. So it's definitely time to rethink things, definitely time to definitely take a serious, serious fucking break, man, because he's not talking the same way he's, that he used to. He's been hurt in every fight um, going back you have to go all the way back to the second Anderson Silva fight where he didn't get hurt. You're right. He was You're right about that. He got he got badly rocked uh late in the Machida fight. That's right. Vitor um, Belfort rocked him. He got ro- he got rocked up against the cage in the uh, in the Belfort fight very quickly. Um and then he came he came back from that. And that was against Juice, you know, Juicehead Vitor. It was um, it was actually Vitor's first fight coming back and Vitor looked like a fraction of his former self and he still hurt him. Oh yeah, yeah, and then he well he looked yeah Vitor looked like a he looked like a beast for thirty seconds and then, then that was it, but he yeah he frenzied. Well, I mean, physically, and then, he already looked like dead right. God, Vitor. Yeah, yeah, um, and every you know then there, then there was Rockhold and since then it's just been you know ding after ding after ding. So um, that's that's not much more to say about about him. Uh, the next fight was. You know, it was good. Um, Stevens, Yair Rodriguez. I don't, I'm not a fan of Yair's personality. I'm not even that huge of a fan of his. Uh, I mean, he's good, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. And Stevens, you know, Stevens took a lick at and kept on ticking. But he basically did. It was exactly what I thought it would be. It was a replay of the Zabit fight, where Stevens was 
on the wrong end, um, you know, too slow, not as, not as active, eating lots, lots of shots, not landing, winging stuff, um, and pretty much took a beating for two, for the better part of a round and a half to two rounds. And then in the third round, just like he did against the beat, as Rodriguez tired, um, Stevens, you know, took over. Um, he ended up wrestling and hung out in top position. And then, you know, and then he threw some bombs um, and some wild stuff at the end. But a pretty clear, um, uh, you know, 29-28, uh, if you're, maybe even more than that, if you were to give Yair a 10-8. Um, what, did, what did you think? I mean, it, excited to see Yair Rodriguez in his next fight. I, you know, maybe Jeremy Stevens can get some action fights against other veterans at this point. Yeah, I thought that Yair did really well in the first two rounds, as I expected. Jeremy Stevens looked better in that third round than I expected him to uh, at any point in a three-rounder, which was great to see for him, for, for the fact that he's coming off a loss here. At least he looked pretty good in the last round against a serious star. Let's face it, Yair Rodriguez is 8-1 and one in the UFC. He is 10-1 and one under the UFC banner, if you count those Ultimate Fighter exhibition bouts. He is something special. There's not a whole lot of doubt there. And I also think that for folks that say that Yair would have lost this fight in a five-rounder because he lost the third round, I don't think it's that simple at all. I think you're discounting Yair's ability to potentially come back. And I'm not saying that he would have won. I'm just saying that, yes, it it suddenly seems like a much closer five-round fight just based on how that three-round fight went. I still think that Yair could have very well come back and won one of those other rounds. And I don't know that he was likely to get finished here. Uh, we have seen Jeremy Stevens hurt to the body a couple of times now. He also got finished to the body against uh, Jose Aldo a couple of years back. It seems to be a, a bit of a spot for him. And if I was a future opponent, I would certainly be targeting it. you have anyone in mind for Yari Rodriguez next up, Nick? Um, Zabit. I think it's got to be Zabit. I would fucking love that, Nick. That would be great. I, I would love to finally see that. And I would love for it to be a five-round fight. That'll look like a, that'll be like a blood sport fight. They'll just be like <laughs> windmill kicks. Yeah, Zabit's actually got a seriously dangerous fight against Calvin Cater coming up, so he'd have to get through that one. But I agree with you. I would love to see him go up against the winner of that fight. Yeah, the winner of the winner of that fight. Yep. At, yeah, at this point, whoever comes out of that fight and Yair Rodriguez, these are not just prospects. These are contenders, and I would love to see who is coming up for Max Holloway in a matchup between uh, the winner of that bout and Yair Rodriguez. That will be exciting to look forward to. Nick, uh, we had a... A really weird fight once again with Greg Hardy. It wasn't particularly exciting as he kind of outstruck Ben Sassoli from a distance. I think it was a really good experience for Greg Hardy for his experience. I think not finishing in 20 seconds uh, allows him to actually breathe in there and to get a hold, uh, uh, kind of get a gauge as to where his cardio is. The fact that he was able to perform all three rounds, although with the help of an inhaler which obviously is where the controversy comes in. Uh, he basically controlled the first two rounds against the smaller Ben Sassoli. He was a good fighter. He just couldn't quite reach the faster, longer Hardy. And then between the second and third rounds in his corner, he asked the official from the commission there whether or not he can use his inhaler. The commissioner from the video that I saw asked, uh, asked well, is it for medical use? And Greg Hardy goes, yeah, you saw it approved. And the commissioner goes, where is it? Or maybe he said, do you have it with you? And he goes, yeah. He reaches for it from his corner man's pocket, puts it in, uses it, and puts it back, right? It's a weird thing to punish Greg Hardy for something that it seemed to me like the the, the uh, member of the commission approved, literally in the corner. Hardy did ask for permission. 
But having said that, it seems very obvious to every other fighter and every other coach in MMA that like you just don't do that and it's just not acceptable. Uh, him having an experienced corner with Dean Hart, uh, Dean Thomas and the American Tom team crew, they should have known better. And maybe he deserves a no contest. I don't know. He, th- there's always something with him, right? Although he did clearly win the fight. And who knows? Maybe in that third round he wouldn't have had as much energy. Maybe there's a damn good reason why those things are illegal in the middle of a fight. Maybe it does give you your breath back, calms your heart rate down, uh, allows you to breathe easier. And that is a big advantage when you're uh, an exhausted 270-pound guy going into the third round. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a step up from a parking lot fight, uh, like most of Greg Hardy's fights. He looked better. Um, not, you know, I, was, I wasn't impressed. I couldn't wait for it to be over. I don't have a whole lot to say. Yeah, I am, I am glad that he's developing, though, and he's actually – uh, going in and taking JDS's place against uh, Alexander Volkov, I believe his name is, in the main event of uh, yeah, the which Moscow is so- card. yeah, I'll, in in Moscow, I'll be I'll be really shocked if he doesn't get like, I mean, I I don't know what his strategy is going to be for that fight. He better hope he's not going to win it. He's not going to win a point fight <laughs> a point fight there. I think he's he's probably going to charge and look to to bum rush and get an early KO. Um, I don't know what other strat. He's not going to otherwise. I, th- I don't think there's any way he's got the technique or endurance to win that fight. No, but we have seen his opponent Volkov uh, dominate a fight and they get knocked out later. And actually, his very last bout against Derek Lewis, another giant, powerful black guy. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens here. But having said that, I agree. Volkov. Well, I mean, be two thoughts there. Reason. Two thoughts there. Volkov took he took a year off. Wait, Volkov took a year off after that knockout. And he was beating the hell out of out of Lewis before that, and I promise you, Greg Hardy can can could not take um, the level of punishment that Derek Lewis absorbed in that fight. Uh, yeah, you're. I mean, look, you're probably right. Volkov's definitely the more experienced guy. I do think Greg Hardy will be the faster guy, and you do have to wonder. Greg Hardy himself, I think, is six five with an eighty point one inch uh, reach. I wouldn't be surprised if they were very, very similarly sized, which Volkov is not used to. Volkov is 6'7 with an 81-inch reach, so Volkov has a uh, 2-inch height advantage and half an inch reach advantage. I agree with you. Greg Hardy is not the favorite here, and for good reason. But Volkov's chin can be hurt, and I think Greg Hardy could possibly even get takedowns because of how explosive he is. I just can't expect him to have 5-round cardio for this one. So I'm in agreement with you overall there. Um, in the next bout, we had Joe Lozon with a huge comeback. Uh, and my, I mean, for his career, in a win over the debuting Jonathan Pierce, who was eight and four going into that bout. Not exactly super experienced, but he's looked good in his last four bouts. He was on a four-fight winning streak. Joe Lozon came in there in his hometown in Boston and whooped that ass in the first round. Man, just cleaned him up. And Joe Lozon physically looks significantly in better shape. I mean, muscle yeah, just, that just, makes me wonder. It does make not to. I don't want to cast shadows. I'm just saying, like, why, as soon as I saw him and watching the first few minutes of that fight, I was, I was just like, wow, I will not be surprised if he pops. You, you might be right, but I will also say, like, there was a big storyline about him actually doing strength and conditioning for this fight and actually taking his diet seriously for the first time in his career. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that can really have that effect on a guy that never, never does the proper strength and conditioning and a guy that never really eats clean, like he's, you suddenly do that, you're going to see a difference, man. Anybody will. 
So I, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and hope that it's nothing funny like that. I think under USADA, Joe Lozano wouldn't be the yeah. most experienced guy to evade their testing. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the storyline about him actually taking this shit seriously. And from what I understand, his coach has actually insisted that he retire after his last fight. And he had to convince yeah, him. Yeah, well, that also, who again. cares if you pop in your last fight? Uh, I mean, I think... I think legacy wise, it would be pretty bad because you. Yeah, now it's yeah. A loss on your I mean, record. I'm not. I don't. I'm not assuming he is, and it's not an accusation. Yeah. It's more like it was something that crossed my mind. There's a little bit of controversy with this one, where Dana White basically said, "Like I, I want him to retire. I'm disappointed he didn't retire in the octagon." Apparently, Dana White's side of the story is that they agreed that this would be his last fight, period, no matter what, because Dana got a call from Joe Lozon's coaches after Lozon's last loss, and. They basically asked him to not let Lausanne fight again. So Lausanne kind of begged Dana to let him compete again. And Lausanne's side of the story is that he told Dana, if I lose, I will not call you again. You don't have to hear from me again. Don't worry about it. Um, and Dana took, apparently, Dana understood that differently. So it's kind of a weird thing where Dana tries to forcefully retire a fighter that he can't really make much money off of. And it kind of makes sense there, I guess. I appreciate Dana worrying about him. But uh, I do think, you know, if if the agreement was. If I lose, that's understandable. It would be nice to see him go off uh, on a swan song, though. What do you think? I don't. I, I'd love to see Lozon go out on that fight. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It would be best case scenario. Unfortunately, we'll probably see him get his head bashed in because we both know Dana's gonna match him up with some fucking killer next time, just because he disobeyed him. Uh, Macy Barber, this was one of your picks, Nick. Just TKO Jillian Robertson just pieced her up early. It was weird because Jillian Robertson wasn't kind of wasn't succumbing. She wasn't going down from her feet. She was on her feet against that cage. She seemed to be throwing the occasional counter shot in an attempt, and it didn't work out for her. But Macy Barber still got the stoppage. It, it was a weird one, Nick. Like I actually wondered, and my wife and I both wondered, would that fight have been stopped had Jillian Robertson not been a young girl? If this was a guy taking 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 a few shots early in that first round, would that fight? Be I think, stopped? I think so. Um, it was she was completely overwhelmed. She was completely overwhelmed. She wasn't firing back. And if you watch her eyes when some of those shots uh, land, they get they don't roll back. But she's she was not she was not defending herself. She wasn't doing anything except getting her ass kicked. So I think. We've seen um, we've seen a couple of fights get stopped uh, with guys against the cage. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, Marvin Camp, Mar- Marvin, Mar- uh, Martin Campman against Paul Daly. That's an example. Uh, Martin Campman was, was almost Martin completely Ca- Mar- out. Jillian Robertson wasn't necessarily hurt. She was. I think she was definitely hurt, and she knew she knew she wasn't doing enough, and she was cursing herself after. Words. I think she. I think she was hurt by those shots. Um, I'm having trouble thinking of another fight. A fight with a guy that was uh, stopped against the cage. Um, I thought it was a. Fi- I thought it was a fine stoppage. I thought she Fair was enough. just getting like. I thought she was getting brutalized. Who do you see next for Macy Barber? Who's coming off a, another big win here? I know she asked for Paige Van Zant, but who would we like to see her fight? That well, Paige Van Zant. Paige Van Zant is down. Is moving down in the is. Uh, you know, Macy Barber's 10th, Paige Van Zandt is um, 15th. So if I were to pull up, um, if I'm, pull, I'm pulling up the UFC rankings real quick, because I, I should have had them handy but didn't. And in that division, you know, you could give her Roxy or Lauren Murphy. I think is, um, 
I'd like to see her fight Jennifer Maya, but I don't know if Maya already has another fight set. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not sure whether or not I would, she does. I would put her... Maya's coming off of a win. Let me see who, who Jennifer Maya is supposed to fight next. Oh, she's fighting Caitlin Kuchagian. Um, so whoever wins that fight's probably going to get um, a title shot, I guess. But um, I think I think Macy's two you know two fights uh, away from a shot at Shevchenko. I mean, maybe less if it was a different champion. But like Shevchenko's just such a beast. Um, I don't. I th- maybe you give Macy to JoJo, but like. Macy's a kid. She's ranked tenth. JoJo's been fighting her way up the rankings uh, slowly over the course of two two years, and she's so close to a title shot right now. So, I mean, Andrea Lee, maybe. Yeah, I think that would actually. That's be probably a great that's the move, her. Andrea Lee. No Let me see here. if she has a fight booked. So if she if she beats Andrea Lee, she gets a ti- she gets a title eliminator. Is what is what I would do. I would like to see her progress a little bit slower than that. To be honest with you, maybe even Andrea Lee's a little bit. Oh, really sorry, scared. Lee's fighting. Oh yeah, Lee, Lee just lost to JoJo, so it would be matching a winner up against a, a loser. Um, Ranking you think wise, it makes sense. I just feel like I, I do. If if you want to develop her to be a potential future champion, I do think that's a little bit early, honestly. I feel it's like the, the, the problem should... is, Stan. It's the thinnest division in the whole in the entire sport. Yeah, that it is. That that it definitely is. I just feel like I mean, it's even better to bring somebody in that's experienced from from Invicta rather than to lose Macy Barber as a prospect. She could be a real fucking superstar, and I just feel like they should treat her like they treat Hardy, just for a little while. Give her some people to rough up. Maybe for that reason, Paige Van Sant is not a bad idea. Just the fact that it'll give her a name, it'll give her, it'll give her like a likely win. Wait, who Paige who Van is that? Let's face it. Doesn't oh, completely yeah. suck. She can get a finish out of nowhere if she needs to, and maybe that is the fight. If you ask me, but Andrew there's Lee, no if, incentive if you want to for give her pa- step up. That's the one. There's zero incentive for Paige Manzant to take that fight, though. She's an she, Paige Manzant is an Instagram model now and a TV personality. She's not. Is, is she actually a TV personality? Is she on TV? All the time? I mean, I think she does. I think she does like various things now. Good for her. I had no idea. That's that's. Good I, don't, I don't know. I feel. I'm glad she's doing her thing. And Paige, so, Paige says that she won't fight her. I mean, she was on she was on reality TV. She does. She's putting out Instagram and YouTube content, and she makes more money as an influencer than she does as a fighter. And let's be honest, we haven't in the last four years seen seen her skills really advance. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so down for I mean, she, why is she going to go and fight to give her a fight softball. like? Like Macy Barber is a straight, she's a straight savage. Like, yeah, she kind of is, isn't she? Yeah, she she really is uh, very very legit. Um, Darren Stewart picked up a very very close razor thin split decision victory over Darren Wynn. It was essentially a grappler versus a striker, and I, I think the winner of this fight would be decided on whether you value the control aspect of MMA more or the damage aspect. Now. You picked uh, Darren. I'm sorry. I picked Darren Win uh, for this event, and that ended up actually costing me the win in this event, this close split decision. But I'm okay with that because I've always been a proponent of valuing damage over control. 
Like control is fine if there's no damage being done either way, and then you should really factor it in. But if there's a clear damage disparity, if one guy clearly did significantly more damage in that round than the other one, and the other one controlled for longer, I think you have to value the damage. And for that reason, I'm glad Darren Stewart got the win. I hope the MMA judges are waking up to the fact that a takedown doesn't necessarily do any damage. And if you're not doing any ground and pound once you get your opponent down, if your opponent is hitting you from bottom, you should not be getting uh, the advantage kind of scored your way in that part of the fight. So I'm glad Darren Stewart walked away with the victory. I know this was fairly controversial. What did you actually think of the decision outside of the bias of the uh, you know this being the event deciding pick? I thought it. I thought it was fair. I was. Imp- I'm impressed with Stewart. Yeah, I, I think he's made some serious improvements from the fight j- just two fights ago where he got taken down eight times in his fight against Papazian. Uh, who, man, more and more is looking like a real fucking hot prospect as Darren Stewart moves on with his career because the first of those two rounds of the, that fight, Darren Stewart got dominated. Also, I think it's a testament to the fact that Stewart is now full-time training for MMA. He doesn't have a, a job that he has to report to every day outside of his training camps. That can make a real big difference for a very athletic guy who's willing to learn. So I'm glad to see him doing well. Uh, it was kind of weird with Daniel Cormier and Dominic Cruz calling this fight seemed like Dominic Cruz was a little bit off about a couple of these. Uh, anytime he had one of his training partners in the fight, including the Rodriguez-Stevens fight, he just seemed clearly biased, like th- making allusions to the fact that that first round was super close. So, you know, second and, and third round are clearly for one for Rodriguez and one for Stevens. And that first round decides that the first round was clearly a Rodriguez round, man. I know he's a training partner of yours, but uh, Dominic Cruz, who I think is otherwise fantastic, has trouble separating like a bias from from just separating himself from one of the uh, fighters if he is connected to them. And it was the same thing here. Oddly enough, Daniel Cormier was more unbiased than Dominic Cruz was. Cruz just like had a problem with the decision because he was like, well, judges are now saying that they value uh, damage over control. Yeah, in the rules, it says in this order, damage, then control. That's, that's, that's how you measure a fight. Uh, damage takes precedent over control alone. So I'm glad the decision went the way it did. Um, I do want to give a, a shout out to Charles Rosa for the first round submission. Molly McCann for a fairly dominant fight, uh, dominant win. Sean Woodson with a great UFC debut over Kyle Boschniak. Randy Costa with a first round knockout over Boston Salmon, who was way more aggressive than he usually is, got caught for it. Sean Brady with a great UFC debut over Court McGee. Brendan Allen with an upset over Kevin Holland. I disagreed with you on that one. You picked Kevin Holland, uh, and uh, I was going to pick Brendan Allen if it came to it. Um, glad Brendan Allen, a really young guy, a prospect, came in and looked good against the otherwise mediocre Kevin Holland. Uh, any thoughts about any of these bouts, Nick? You know, Costa landed, landed a, a great big shot. McCann looked good, even though she didn't feel her best. I'm a big fan of Meatball, you know that. Um, <clears throat> my, yes, I think sir. it's the first time I saw Sean Woodson. And yes, I did change my pick when you pointed out um, his reach difference, but watching him fight, um, he seemed to me like he's got one of those Ben Saunders type bodies, but he was able to, um, he had a lot of composure and poise and, uh, you know, defended uh, well against the cage on takedowns, always kind of kept his cool. And I seemed, I remember thinking during the fight that he was very good at it. Like a lot of those tall guys, like Vic or like Saunders, they leave their chins hanging way out there. And when your when your upper body is that lean, you can get your chin pretty far away from your waist. 
yeah. and create a uh, create a lot of room uh, for your just you know to, to essentially your chin to be hanging out in the wind. And I didn't think he did that. I thought he did a very good job of staying back um, I, I and agree. keeping his base while throwing while throwing strikes. Uh, I agree. Uh, I will say for the record, the issue I had with you changing your pick was the fact that I did my research and spoke about why I disagreed with your pick and why I picked Sean Woodson. And because of the research that I did, you changed your pick. So really, I did the homework and you benefited. Just saying. It's America, Stan. That it is. And I appreciate you naming the country that we're in because I'll be honest with you, it was really relevant to this conversation and uh, and that really made a big difference. <laughs> it's America. It's the way it's it is, Amer- It's America. It's, uh, um, sometimes, you, sometimes you make the pick. Sometimes you get to uh, use the research. That's it. That is true. Uh, that is all for <laughs> UFC on ESPN six. <laughs> Reyes versus Wyman. I'm a, clearly on, on a lot of cold medicine right now. And, and you know what? It's working, Nick. I need you to be on cold medicine more often when we talk. Uh, we're gonna take a break, come back, and talk about this weekend's UFC on ESPN plus twenty. Maya versus Aspirin. And we are back to the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast here to talk about UFC Fight Night 162, a.k.a. UFC on ESPN Plus 20, Maya versus Askren, a.k.a. UFC Singapore. God damn it, Nick. Do they have to have so many alternate names? Do they have to make it on at 8 a.m.? Well, that that part I don't mind. I'm not complaining about having an omelet uh, with my extremely boring grappling match between Damian Maya and Ben Askren. I think that's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be like, a, well, we'll get to that fight when one of us brings it up as a pick. Yeah, f- fair and enough. We'll get to talk all about it. So uh, you want me to get started here on my first uh, my first draft pick? Yeah, I do want to do a quick intro. Uh, remember, guys, that we're doing this draft pick system now where we each get a turn in picking a fighter on this card. That fighter wins. We get a point at the end of the event. At the end of the event, whoever has more points wins the week and also has a few more points to add to their total tally, which we're going to tally up toward the end of the year. As of right now, I'm a point and a half up over Nick Braccia since we're two events in with this new system. Nick, you're making the first pick since I made the first pick last time. Go for it, bud. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's several close fights on this card, um, and there's a few that I think are gimmies. Uh, so the first one I'm going to take, I think, is I'll be very, very surprised if this doesn't go the way I think it's going to go. I'm going to pick Michael Johnson to knock out Stevie Ray. Um, I think Johnson's had a rough go um, the last couple of years and doesn't always have the best uh, fight IQ, but he's still a guy who in the near, in the recent past knocked out Dustin Pedroia. Um, I'm sorry, Dustin Poirier. I always do that. Uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, he does have a win over Tony Ferguson. He has a split decision over Andre Feely. He beat Artem Lobov. Um, he generally holds his own. He's kind of his own worst enemy, but um, Stevie Ray has been put down by men who are not as hard of hitters as Michael Johnson. And he's fought just his... Stevie Ray's scalps are not nearly as impressive as Johnson's. So I think, um, and they both have a long way to travel for this fight. 
but I, I believe that that it, over the course of three rounds, uh, Michael Johnson will land uh, something big, and I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, is, lands kind of a one-punch uh, walk away. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, and that was going to be my first pick as well. I'm on the same page as you. I favor Michael Johnson in this one, especially in a three-round fight big time. Stevie Ray has fought way lower competition, and Michael Johnson has a better record against the higher level of competition. Um, he hasn't looked amazing overall, and he's coming back to up to 155 after a stint at 145. But, yeah, I expect Michael Johnson to do his thing here. In the first two rounds, he's going to dominate. He might be tired in the third, and maybe Stevie Ray will score a bit in that third round. But I expect this to be one-way traffic, and that is if Stevie Ray can get through the first two rounds without getting knocked out. So on the same page uh, as you on that one. Next up, Nick, I'm going to pick... And you're right. There's there's a few fights here that are that are you know that 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 look like it's pretty clear who's going to win, and most of them are essentially pickums. My second, my first pick is going to be I'm going to pick Cyril Gane to beat Don uh, Dontail Mays. Oh, that um, was that was going to be my second pick, but I really thought you were going to pick something else. So I'm I'm happy that you didn't. Yeah, the, I'll be honest with you. I, I do see this as fairly competitive. I actually think Dante uh, Mays is fairly talented. He's also a big dude, about as tall as Sarah's got. This Sarah is, a bi- is this is big dude fight. Yeah, it really is a big athletic dude. He's fairly fast with decent power. Cyril Gane look just looks like an athletic dynamo. He's super fast. He's very technical standing. I'm gonna give him the edge for that reason. Dante's Mays has actually been on Dana White's. Um, what is a contender series three times first time was a loss against Crowder which is very worrying but apparently he dominated early and then got gassed and then he fixed that and he looks in significantly better shape nowadays from back during that fight so I can see this being competitive but I'm gonna pick Cyril Gane as my first one Nick good call good call the uh I think that my next pick and this is the one I thought you were going to do was <clears throat> I think Benil Dariush uh, Benil Darius against Frank Camacho is, I mean, Darius has some lapses, some some uh, uh, some fight IQ issues, or or kind of like lapses in fights. He's certainly a very very bright guy, um, but sometimes he walks into stuff or goes to the well too many times. But I think this is his fight to lose. Um, he should be able to, I think, wrap up and control uh, Frank Camacho. Um, and maybe choke him out in the first round. Uh, but I'm picking ben- Benil Dariush for my second pick. Nick, I agree with the pick, but I have him as my number seven pick because wow. it's not that Benil Dariush has an IQ issue. I-, I think part of it is that he's extremely fast early, even though he doesn't look very athletic. And then he- that tapers down, just like any fighter that's fast. And we've talked about uh, Rodriguez before and even last week. Um, in his fight with Jeremy Stevens, where he looked extremely fast and way ahead in the first two rounds and exhausted in the third and much slower. Or not exhausted, but tired in the third and much slower. And I, I think it, it might be the same thing here with Benil Darius. The thing is that Camacho gets tired too. And Camacho, the big thing that makes this a close fight to me is that Camacho has serious power, and Benil Darius, when he loses, it's by getting knocked out. He can beat any fighter if it's only points that count, but when it comes down to that chin it doesn't necessarily back him up enough it doesn't kind of measure up to his skill and so i I agree on the pick but this was further down for me on the list uh than than for you um 
my next picnic is going to be Jeff Hughes. I know he's all the way down on the card, and I know that he is coming off of kind of a weird fight with Todd Duffy in which Todd Duffy blew his load on him and wasn't able to land much even though he just ex- kept exploding. Uh, what That was very... That was a very florid description. Well, he he didn't land a whole lot. You watched that fight. Man. Do you, do you Jeff, realize what? What he said? He blew his load on him. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe it was a poor choice of words. But it was a horrible. It was a horrible choice of words. Fine, and and thank you for calling me out live during our podcast, you cocksucker. I. Uh, you cut you. Uh, Too far. You paint. You paint a glorious picture. <laughs> yeah, I probably do, and, and it's all and it's all in the gutter, unfortunately. So Jeff Hughes, he was able to weather the storm and block most of Todd Duffy's offense, and came back with some big shots. And I honestly, genuinely believe that Todd Duffy quit in that fight from that quote unquote eye poke because he didn't want to get back in there. He was exhausted, and he realized Jeff Hughes is not just going to go away like all of my shitty opponents who have beaten are uh, have. So I, I favor Jeff Hughes here over Rafael Passau, who actually made his UFC debut against Cyril Gane, who I picked as my first uh, one. I'm going to go with Jeff Hughes as my second pick. That was going to be my next, uh, my next pick. Uh, so we're, we're going like uh, shot for shot like here. It. it seems like we've, we've got um, similar picks. Um, before I make my next one, I'm just checking one quick stat to make sure that something that I thought is actually true. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Um, I'm gonna pick Ben Askren over Damian Maya uh, with my, which is the main event for my, my next pick, and it's all about um, six years ago. Jake Shields won a very tight split decision against Damian Maya, uh, essentially by out grappling, out wrestling uh, him, if I recall. And Ben Askren, I believe, is is uh, is, is is he's much younger than Damian. Da- Damian Maya is what like in his early he's 41. Um, Askren is a bit younger. Askren, I still think, is in his mid-30s, probably. And even though he got floored by Masvidal, it's very unlikely that Maya is going to stop him uh, with his hands. When Ben Askren's been hurt before, it's been by real real strikers. Um, Who was that? Uh, Oh, my God. The guy in Bellator who hurt him, who was a former UFC fighter who lost an early fight to GSP. Oh, um, I know who you're talking about, but his name escapes me. I'm actually looking at Askren's record now. Jay Heron. Yes. Um, he had some trouble with, with Jay Heron, and uh, I just think that Maya's older, a little bit slower. He gets really tired. Um, I got to believe that Askren has trained. Uh, he's. I have to believe he's got one of those un, untappable necks, um, and I, do, I just don't think... I don't think Maya is going to be able to backpack Ben Askren. I just don't. I think that uh, I think Askren's going to um, outgrapple him, and that most of this fight, um, Damian Maya is going to be fighting from bottom position while eating some short shots and elbows. I am very glad that you made this your third pick because not only was this way way lower on my list, but I I ended up giving the very slightest of edges to Damian Maya. I realize that Ben Askren is a good wrestler, but will he be able to stay on top? I realize that Damian Maia gets tired late in a five-round fight, but who's to say that Ben Askren won't at this age, at this point in his career? I saw the last five-round, full five-round fight that Ben Askren fought, and his, the first two rounds were completely dominant. 
completely one-sided against Nikolai uh, Aleksakin. And then Nikolai had a pretty decent third round, a good fourth round, and an okay fifth round, although Askren did kind of take over again in that fifth uh, with an early takedown. Keep uh, in mind, that, was, that fight was at middleweight, and, or at 185, and his opponent missed weight and came in heavy. I actually did not know that, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Good to know, Nick. You're right. He, he came in at 188. That is a big difference maker. How the fuck did you just know that off the top of your head? Come on, dude. I, I track all the fights from the Philippines. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Good for you, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, I, look, regardless of that, Nikolai Aleksakin made weight or didn't make weight. He had the energy to do much better in, toward the latter uh, half of the fight than he did in the first. And Damian Maya has the same kind of issue. The thing is that who's to say that Ben Askren will stay on top of Damian Maya? Who's to say that he's going to get mount against him like he does against these other fairly mediocre Asian fighters? Uh, ben Askren, in my opinion, has winless in his first two UFC bouts. He lost with a five-second flying knee knockout to George Masvidal in his last bout, which is going to set up next week's event, of course. And he got a gift over Robbie Lawler after getting smashed by Robbie Lawler. Herb Dean just gave him a win because he was holding on to Robbie Lawler's head for a few seconds. Um, the guy's winless in the UFC. He's been beating up guys like Shinya Aoki, who's way past his prime. Uh, guys like Agalin Tani. And I know what you're thinking. Who the fuck is Agalin Tani? That is my point. Who the fuck are these people that he's been beating ever since his, he left Bellator? Well, to, to, their to their mothers. To their mothers, they're very 20s. special. I'm sure they. <laughs> I'm sure they are. But you and I are not their mothers, and the majority of the MMA fan base uh, isn't either. Uh, so yeah, I, I do give the slightest of edges to Damian Maya. I realize Ben Askren could just get top position and kind of win that way, similarly to what Jake Shields was able to do. I don't think Damian Maya is going to be able to get turnovers against Damian Maya like Jake Shields was able to do. I think Damian Maya is significantly, significantly better fighter than back in the Jake Shields days. And I think if it does for some reason stay standing because neither guy can land a takedown, Damian Maya is going to have the edge there. Um, I could see Askren having more energy in the second half of the fight and maybe doing well there and, and picking up that decision. Maybe an exhausted Damian Maya gets TKO'd late, but I do favor Damian Maya here. Again, I'm glad you made this your only third pick here, Nick. Um, my next pick is going to be, and I I think all the rest of these are risky, all the rest of these, including the Damian Maya, Ben Askren fighter, Pickums. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on Random Marcos to beat Ashley Yoder. Now, I know that Ashley Yoder is coming off of two... UFC wins, but one of them is pretty controversial and maybe should have gone the other way. Um, her takedown defense is decent, but not impenetrable. And Randa Marcos, if there's one thing that's been consistent about her UFC career, it's her inconsistency. She has never lost two in a row, and she's never won two in a row ever since she debuted in the UFC. She has gone one win, one loss consistently from the start. Her last fight was a loss against Claudia Gadelia, and that only means that this fight against Ashley Yoder has to be a win. That's how her career works. So I am picking, uh, and again, I realize this is risky. I'm picking Random Marcos. That was that was going to be my next pick. We are really, for the most part, except for my last one, we are uh, really on each other's toes here. Um, let's see what you think about my my next pick, which is Muslim uh, Salikov over Loriana Staropoli. Um you know that I love uh, Russian fighters, and not only is uh, Muslim a Russian fighter, he is a Sanshu fighter, uh, the same fighting style employed by Kung Lee, um, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. 
Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, he calls himself the King of Kung Fu, and he's got nasty body kicks, um, some spins. He's just a pa- he's just a powerful, mean dude. He reminds me a lot of that other Russian fighter who was in Bellator and then the UFC for a little while, and then like retired because he wanted to get more into religion, which is never good. Um, but who the uh, fuck is that? Uh, Al- oh man, what was his name? He had two A's, A's in his name. It was like, huh, I'm not. Um, but he retired, and he had, oh, who did, he had really, really nasty, nasty, no, 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 nasty spinning kicks. I'll look it up, I'll look it up in a minute, and I'll, I'll yeah. have it, but, you know, I think this is going to be an exciting fight. Lorena Staropoli had that win against, uh, Thiago Alves. Um, I just think, um, I think it's going to be, I think this could be fight of the night, but I think that Salikov's, uh, just durable, mean, and, uh, is going to be, you know, landing some spinning shit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands some spurious spinning shit. And once again, Nick, I'm glad you made that pick because uh, once again, I disagree with it. And it's by a close margin. These are all pick and bouts. I get that. And I realize that Salikov really is pretty nasty with his offense standing. The thing is that he doesn't have a whole lot of output standing. He's 35 years old, which means he is nine years older than Staropoli. And at 35, certainly past his physical prime, unless he's on the juice, right? He's an inch shorter, uh, got an inch and a half reach disadvantage. The biggest factor for me was the fact that Staropoli is busy as hell, man. The guy throws five strikes, I'm sorry, lands five strikes per minute, Nick. And do you know what? Uh, do you know how many strikes Muslim lands per minute? He lands two. I mean, it is a small fraction. Also, Muslim is used to fighting opponents that only land about a strike and a half, less than a strike and a half per minute on him. Staropoli is a busy motherfucker. Uh, I do think Muslim is probably the more technical, more experienced stand-up fighter. But I think Staropoli's youth, his uh, slight height advantage, how busy he is, is gonna be enough here. Also, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not sure where uh, Staropoli trains in Argentina, which is nowhere close to Singapore. But as I've uh, found out from my research, Russia is nowhere close to Singapore either. So uh, I don't know that either of these guys will have uh, much of an advantage in that department. But I'm giving the edge to Staropoli here. I'm in disagreement with you. Okay. We'll see what happens, man. By the way, the fighter I was thinking of was uh, Adlan Amagov. I'm pretty sure that's who I was thinking of. Ah, that does sound familiar. Who was... He hasn't fought in a few years. In 2017, he was involved in a violent altercation between rival Chechen and business associates in western Moscow that left two people dead and six injured, and he was accused of stabbing another man in the chest. So we haven't heard from him in a while. But no he joke, was a... Uh, he had won uh, a silver and a... He won a, a silver and a gold in 2011 and 2012 at the Naga uh, Worlds. Fascinating, Nick. From looking at his record, he was actually 2-0 in the UFC, and I guess just his inactivity is what led to him getting let go. Uh, he no, he, well, he st- he retired, and then he came back later. Right, he, he came back in 2016 uh, outside of the UFC, which I think the UFC normally keeps your contract forever if you are you know if you still owe them fights and you say you're retired. Uh, but obviously, they didn't really care about this guy. Interesting story indeed. He does look very familiar. I think I remember seeing him compete. He used to be a, a Greg Jackson, Mike Winklejohn guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I disagree with you on that Salikov pick. And Nick, my next pick is going to be none other than Rafael Faziev over Alex White. Ah, uh, good one. Now, I, I think Alex White is a fairly – like he's got his advantages, right? He's going to be the significantly bigger man 
in this matchup. He's going to have way more UFC experience than Rafael Faziev, who only has like two minutes of UFC experience, and that was those two minutes were followed by knockout. So that was the best memories, I'm sure. Uh, the Spartan has four inches of height advantage, which is going to play a factor here. He's a southpaw. Um, I, I favor the Russian Faziev because of his Muay Thai pedigree. I don't expect that White will have quite the level of pop that it will take to knock Faziev out. And um, I know Faziev got knocked out in his UFC debut, but he did give himself a little bit of time to recover. Uh, let me see here when when that knockout. Oh, actually, he didn't take, give himself much time to recover. It was in April of 2019. Nick, what the fuck am I talking about? Um, I guess I'm relying on Alex White not being a very heavy hitter. Now, Alex White may get takedowns here, which might be concerning, but I'm going to give the edge to the much more explosive, much faster uh, Rafael Faziev. What do you think of the matchup? Um, I, that's exactly, that's exactly, um, my thinking. I remember I was looking at, and this was described, uh, by some online as a showcase fight. And I think even though the odds aren't that crazy, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, Fiziev's, uh, opportunity to kind of style. That's what I think. That's what I think this is. Um, now the picks get tricky, man. Um, they've been tricky for me this whole goddamn time, Nick. So, uh, I'm I'm debating which of these two fights I'm gonna go with here. I think I'm gonna go with Loma Lukbunme over Alexandra Albu, but I'm not particularly confident about it. Um, she's a a Thai striker who's coming up in weight, but she's fighting a woman who's not been very active, um, or I think all that uh, successful. Um, so she should be able to use her, her Muay Thai kickboxing techniques to, to get, um, to get in and out, to keep distance and just, I'm expecting nasty kicks, uh, nasty leg kicks from Lona Lukbunme. Yeah, I agree with you on the pick. I do see it as a very close fight. It'll probably be a split decision. Albu will probably dominate early with just slam takedowns. Uh, maybe even landing bigger shots against the smaller uh, Konklak, I believe her name is. Her first name, I believe, is Konklak. Um, she is coming up from 105, Nick. So size-wise, she's actually a girl that's coming up from 10 pounds below against one of the more most physically imposing fighters at 115 in Alexandra Albu. But Albu is basically an Instagram model. Um, she's like a CrossFit trainer. Um, I don't think she'll have the cardio to keep exploding the way that she likes to explode and I think past that first round, Konklak should be able to take over, but I wouldn't be surprised if Albu's dominance or Albu's uh, edge lasts through enough of the second round to nab her a decision here. Uh, but I do agree with you on the pick unofficially. Um, next up for me is going to be... Uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to pick Maurice Grin over Sergei Pavlovich. And I'm actually assuming that you were going to have Pavlovich here because I feel like most... Experts have Pavlovich in this matchup. I'm a believer in Maurice Green. I think he's a real prospect. I'm not a believer in Pavlovich's uh, opponent before he made his UFC debut. He seems to struggle against guys that are his size or bigger than him. And I know that he is one and one in the UFC. He lost his UFC debut to Alistair Overeem, nothing to be ashamed of. And then he knocked out Marcelo Gome in the first round. He was a smaller guy. 
a smaller heavyweight who's not that great, quite frankly. Maurice Green, I think, is a real prospect standing at 6'7". He is 33 years old, but this is heavyweight. He might be going full tilt till he's 37. And I, I think he's developing fairly well. I like that he just avenged his loss against Jeff Hughes. And I'm going to pick him over the probably much heavier hitter, uh, Pavlovich, who, by the way, Pavlovich can also get takedowns. He has a real good shot on this one. But these are a bunch of pickums. So here I am. What do you think? Yeah, I had, I had picked... Uh... Pavlovich, uh, uh, Pavlovich, but again, this is like we're in that territory now where who knows what the hell is going to happen. Um, so my next pick is uh, going to be uh, Julia Avila um, over... Oh, is this fight canceled? I think that fight got canceled, yeah. Oh, is she not on the card at all anymore? Uh, as of right now, at least, maybe they'll line somebody up for her by fight night or fight morning. Okay, sorry, let me take this one off. Fair enough. And we're we're down to the tiebreaker now, Nick. This is it. Oh, so the only wait, so the only fight that left is is Evloev Ev versus uh, Barzola. That's it. Barzola. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to change my pick from Green. Can I do that? Yeah, of course you can. Great. I would like to take Mofsar Evloev instead. All right, just let me make a note there. So you're gonna take Pav- you're gonna take uh, Pavlovich, okay? No, I'm, um, I'm I'm saying I'm taking Evlov instead. Oh, you're taking Evlov instead, and you're gonna make the heavyweight fight the yeah. tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah, you take Green. I'll take Pavlovich in the tiebreaker. Great, that works out, especially since we disagree so, on it. Yeah, so I've got Johnson, Dariush, uh, Askren, Lukbunmi, Pavlovich, and. Uh, Selikov. Oh, right. I, I just have it in a different order. Okay. Uh, and sorry, what was your your tiebreaker? Was uh, Pavlovich, right? Yep. Yep. Got tiebreaker. Great. I have that down. I have Gane, Jeff Hughes, Randa Marcos, Rafael Faziev, and Mofsad Eflu. You, you've got, wait, you have Gain, right? Gain, Hughes. Yep. Marcos. Gain, Hughes, those are, Marcos. Those were all going to be my picks. Yeah, that was going to be my pick. Those were all going to be my picks. Yeah, I actually disagree with two of your picks and your tiebreaker, so I'm hoping that works out for me. Um, yeah, I agreed with all of your picks, but <laughs> great, I'll I'll take it. Uh, yeah, yeah, if I would have picked Pavlovich, that would have been the only one that we would have disagreed on from my side. Uh, but yeah, I ended up going with Evlov. The, the reason I went with Evlov over Barzola, who I think Barzola will be much faster. If you look at Barzola's record, the guy's got like dozens of takedowns in the UFC and he's given up extremely few. He's only like, I think only two takedowns in his UFC career of like eight or 10 fights. Uh, Mofsar Evloev might be good at takedowns, but he's not all that awesome at anything else. His striking is okay. Uh, he's not nearly as fast as Barzola, but he does hit very hard. So Barzola's going to have a uh, really solid takedown defense to, to fall back on against a takedown heavy fighter. He's going to be significantly faster, in my opinion, and much more UFC experience over Evloev. Uh, but Evloev, when he gets on top, he keeps you down. When Barzola gets on top, you pop right back up. The control factor is a big difference here, and that's why I ended up going with Evloev. Preach it, brother. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so let's, uh, let's talk gambling now. Let's get some people you know, in debt and thrown out of their house. Fucking debt, Nick. I've had another winning week, as I am used to doing. Let's take a break, come back, and get into the MMA Geeks betting guide.
Welcome back to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. We're here to get into the MMA Geeks betting guide, folks. I've had another really good week. Nick actually just lost six bucks, so not a bad week for you uh, at all. You put a parlay down, $50 on Bermudez and Barber. That one, Bermudez, didn't come through for you. And you lost 50 and then you won 45 bucks on Rodriguez, uh, putting a straight bet down on him. So not a bad night for you. Uh, Bermudez failed me as well, so uh, I hear where you're coming from, dude. For my bets last week, I won $45 betting on Reyes. I won $45 betting on Rodriguez. I lost 10 bucks on Sassoli. Won $42 on Brendan Allen. Lost a parlay with Pierce and Wynn. Uh, both of those guys actually did not come through. Lost 35 bucks on that one. I lost $30 on Bermudez and Barber because Bermudez didn't come through. And then I won a parlay. Uh, actually, I won the parlay with Hardy and Rodriguez, but Hardy got disqualified, so it became another straight bet on Rodriguez. A total profit of $103, Nick. It's about 33% return on investment, so not uh, not bad at all, but not as good as some of my 55-70% returns. So I'm going to strive for even better next week, but I'll take being in the green once again this week, Nick. You got any betting suggestions for the dozens and dozens, Nick? I like a parlay of Random Marcos and Michael Johnson for 50 bucks. I like it. Uh, Random Marcos, Michael Johnson, and that's the only bet you're making, right? Um... I guess I would do a straight a straight bet of twenty dollars on Maya. I'm sorry, on on Askren. I meant Askren. Twenty on Askren. Got it. I got you down for those. Cool. Um, I have a few bet suggestions. I'm actually not messing with parlays this week, just because I don't see a whole lot of opportunity there. Uh, what I do recommend is a thirty dollar bet on Damian Maya. Um, for all we know, Ben Askren is way past his prime and can't really hurt a fly. So. I wouldn't be surprised if Damian Maia's jiu-jitsu and better striking should carry him to victory here. Uh, there's some concern about Askren obviously getting top position and riding it out. Uh, Staropoli at plus 150, $30 to win 45 Barzola, I officially did not pick Barzola, but I do see value in him at plus 155 $20 to win $31. On Maurice Great, $25 to win $50. And on Mays, who's going up against Gane, I think he's a huge underdog, and this could be a relatively close fight. Mays also has enough power to possibly hurt Gane, uh, just because they're both heavyweights. It's certainly a possibility, both super athletic, tall heavyweights. At plus 310, I'd place $16 on Mays to win 50. Um, honestly, it, it, those kind of numbers, it couldn't hurt to place that bet. That's all I have uh, in that regard for this week, Nick. Did you see John Jones calling out Tony Ferguson? Well, maybe Tony Ferguson called out John Jones, but Jones responded, and he wasn't very nice. No, and there's a there's that there's a lot of news um, and a lot of like uh, callouts going down lately. We've got um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Aldo just did a has yes. been uh, has been cutting weight, and he's talking about fighting Cejudo, um, which is interesting. I love it. Yeah, I'm into you've that. Got, man. Um, you know, you've got Jones calling out everyone, including Nganu. Jones um, calling out everyone outside of the 205 pound division who is under 40 years old. Yeah. Um, who? What else? Uh, we have Rockhold saying he doesn't want to fight anymore. Good. Um, let me That's see. That's great what, news. I wish the, Weidman would come to the same conclusion. Me too. I mean, it, we'll probably end up seeing them fight each other at some point, but I'd rather not. Um, Dos Santos has a nasty staph infection. Oh, but Aldo is going to... So, yeah, Aldo is dropping to 135, and at UFC 245, he's fighting Marais. Is that official? That's official. That is phenomenal, Nick. Way to bury the lead. 
when I do my show intro and, and Marais versus Aldo gets announced, you interrupt me and you say, Stan, Marais I just, versus Aldo I, just got announced. I just saw it. Um, I worry about that weight cut for Aldo, but I'll tell you, that, that fight will – that's an exciting fight. Uh, all I'll say is this. Um, Aldo better make sure he can pull the fucking trigger. Because if, yeah. you, if you stand there, if you stand there and wait and, and, and wait and try to do a feeling out process with Marlon Moraes, you're going to get your head kicked in. Yeah. Aldo will have a decent, I think, height advantage. Moraes is a very short guy, but Moraes is at least as fast, hits at least as hard as far as we can tell. And... Uh, Aldo will be doing an extreme weight cut for that fight, presumably. I hope it's a three-rounder for Aldo's sake because he will be doing a serious weight cut for the fight, and so I'm not sure he'll be able to take the same kind of damage he can normally take. It'll have to be. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna have that headline. A uh, that'll be a co-main event. That's at the um, that's a, it's um, that's the same card where there's um, if it really is truly on on this card. That's Usman Covington, Holloway, Volkanovski, Nunes. Jermaine uh, Durand. Oh yeah! Oh wow! You know. that, there are three title fights on that card, so it's safe to say that's not going to be a main event. I really exactly. do hope that fight comes through on that event. That would be. Good. Oh, there's yeah, another. Fantastic. There's another fight for that card, which uh, it's like it's like the old it's uh, featherweight old fogies who are now uh, bantamweights. Uriah Faber's fighting Peter Yan. All right, I'm I'm into that. I'm glad that Faber took the fight. I think it's a winnable fight for Faber as long as he doesn't get caught with a big bomb by Yan. But that's very interesting. Um, Nick, next week we've got UFC 244. George Masvidal versus Nate Diaz for the BMF title. Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till, Vincente Luque versus Stephen Thompson, Derek Lewis, Blagoy Ivanov are going to square off. Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie, and that's just the main card, Nick. I'm really excited for this one. By the way, yeah. any any luck uh, with your contact? Uh, were they able to get us texts? No, I'm seeing him tomorrow. He told me that he was going to put a call in, but we'd have to pay. And I responded, uh, "Do we? Will we need to pay? Um, will it be full price? You know, is there any kind of angle or deal?" Right, and uh, right. he is not. Rest- I'm going to see him tomorrow, so I'll have some hopefully some news for you. Nick, before you bring it up, you make sure he has three or four drinks. I'm just saying. I'll do, I'll do my best. Well, the problem is that everyone from work wants to go also. So we'll oh, that's understandable. That, that, but I'll, try, I'll, see what, I'll see what I can do. Cool. Um, I will say that also Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker. It's a great test for Walker. Amir Khani versus Burgos, two prospects. Shabazi versus Tavares, a prospect versus a veteran matchup. This card is full of riches, man. Like, so much potential. I cannot wait whether I'm watching at home or sitting next to you with beer spilled over, all over my lap. I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, have an awesome week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be recording our next show in just a few days. You too, buddy. Get yourself together, goddammit. Take some vitamin C or something, will you? If I have to record from the ER, I'll record from the ER. Oh, I fucking believe it. You better record from the ER. I'm going to beat you again, by the way. I'm going to win this week. Uh, I'll be honest with you. You're not winning this week. You did win last week, and I kind of thought that you would, although you needed like a fucking no contest and an inhaler and changing your pick based on my analysis to do it. Uh, you did what you had to do, and you pulled out a victory. It's not happening this week, dude. We're going to be 2-1. And that's if we're not counting the 10-point advantage I had in our last system. Boom! I'm just going to go cry now. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Nicole. All right, time for NyQuil. Later. <laughs>